of interesting to see that happen. Hey, uh, real quick, a uh, uh, little boy, five years old, is walking along with his grandmother, and uh, he sees this piece of candy on the ground, and he scoops it up and goes to put it in his mouth, and his grandma says, no, and she jumps over, and she goes, you can't put that in your mouth, and he looks at her, and he said, well, grandpa never stops me. And she, she said, well, I don't care. I'm your grandma. And, and, and God has put me in your life to protect you and watch over you. And he goes, oh. And he throws it down and they walk a little further. And he goes, so how do you get to be a grandma? And she said, well, you know what? God has to choose a very special person to be your grandma. And then God puts me through these tests. And, and when I pass, I get someone as special as you. And he goes, oh, so when you fail, you get to be a grandpa. <laughs> When uh, Pam and I first started dating, I'll never forget this. I mean, actually, that's not even true. Prior to our truly dating, I thought Pam was the hottest thing I'd ever seen. And, and I'm standing around her trying to impress her. And I'm going through those motions. You remember what it was like when you wonder, does she like me? Now, I knew I liked her, but I wasn't really sure if Pam liked me. And so what happened one night, she invited me over to her house. And, and we got over there, and we're sitting there, and we're watching TV. And uh, all of a sudden, she kind of is sitting on the couch next to me, and she moves a little closer and I thought oh wow yeah she likes me and I'm all excited and then I really did what what I don't know if you remember this I went through the mental motions do I put my arm around her or not do I go for it you know do I do the yawn move do I you know and so I'm looking and trying to decide and so I'm joking and being kind of I don't know whatever and bump her a little and she bumps back and when she does she sits even closer and then I'll never forget it was the first time I slip my arm around Pam and I've got it around her and she cuddles up close to me and I got to be honest I felt like I was in heaven I'm just like oh man life has never been so good for about five minutes then my arm starts to go to sleep and I think, but if I take it off, I may never get this moment back, right? I, I mean, did anybody ever go through that? So I'm up here, and my arm's throbbing and hurting, and she's all cuddled up, and I'm thinking, what do I do? And she's watching the show and enjoying it, and I'm going, uh, they're going to amputate this thing, and, uh, and I just don't want to move it. Now, now I, here, the reason I bring that up is, it was interesting in that moment, I really would rather have endured the pain. I'd uh, really have gone through a little more agony than go ahead and move my arm and not have this close proximity to her, and, and especially the first time when I'm not sure what's going on, and, and I just didn't want to lose it. I, I was willing to hang in there with the pain. What I want you to see tonight when we get to the feeding of the 5,000 is that's what's going on with the apostles. Uh, I want to try to show you something tonight because I think what happens very often, we, we read passages of scripture and we see what's there and we get a lot out of it, but what we don't do is we don't do the comparisons of the different witnesses and what they're saying occurred and sometimes we can miss the richness of what's going on. Before we get to the feeding of the 5,000, let me give you an example of that. Uh, Jesus is at the Last Supper and he says these words, whoever I dip uh, uh, whoever I dip this piece of bread into the wine and serve is the one who will betray me. And then it says he dipped the bread in the wine and handed it to Judas. Now, here's the point. Doesn't that just seem pretty plain? I mean, wouldn't you go, well, then Judas is the guy? Wouldn't Judas go, I'm the guy? Wouldn't everybody point and go, he's the guy? Why does Peter go to John? Ask him who the guy is. I mean, haven't you ever wondered that question? And, I mean, and like, it just seems like, okay, I've got to be missing something. Now, here's the point. When you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the accounts of what occurred, we, we sometimes are missing something. 
Because what occurred actually is this. Jesus said, and he took the bread and he says, well, after I dip into the cup, whoever I give it to is going to be the one who betrays me. And then it says an argument breaks out on who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so one guy goes, I think, you know what, when I'm in the heaven with Jesus, I'll be at his right hand. The other one said, I'm going to be the greatest with him. And they're arguing and arguing as he hands it to Judas going, guys, guys. And they're just going at it. And they missed an incredible moment. And when you read the context of what occurred, you begin to understand, wow, something was happening here. This was a very moving moment. If you understand the Passover dinner, a lot of things are happening, a lot of symbolism, a lot of servings going on. So even though he said that so clearly, they just didn't pick up on it. Because why? They were so into themselves and who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the reality is, is then Jesus had to, to make an incredible point to them. You're missing, missing, missing everything that's going on. How about this? Have you ever wondered this question? When uh, uh, Jesus walked up and said to, to Peter and to his brother Andrew, he said, follow me. And they left their nets and walked off and followed him. I remember when I was first a Christian, I was sitting there listening to that and I thought, who would do that? I mean, you know, tonight you're sitting here in your chair and some guy just walks in off the street and walks there and goes, hey, follow me. Okay, gotta go. I mean, would you do, anybody here, would you do that? And if you ever thought, well, okay, this, this just doesn't make sense, who would, and let me tell you the answer, Peter and Andrew wouldn't do that either. James and John wouldn't do that either. When you start to understand the context of what was going on, and I want to start there, then we begin to see something pretty rich. Real quickly, uh, the follow me section. Uh, John chapter 1, actually look up at verse 28. It says, these things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. So we know the very place, whenever you're studying scripture, you ask, you know, who was being addressed? Where were they? What time was it? What was going on in that cultural setting? What was he saying to them? You know, we see all of that occurring. But, but grab this, in verse 28, it says, this is took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. And in verse 35, it says, again on the next day, John, John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated teacher. He says, Where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of them who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus took him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, notice this, the next day, he purposed to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And uh, then Nathanael begins to say, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And they have this moment. Now, now grab what's happening here, especially in relationship to Peter and Andrew, James and John. They have actually come to hear John the Baptist. And they're with John the Baptist down by the River Jordan. They're watching John baptize lots and lots of people. They may have been there that day when Jesus descended in the water and John looked at him and said, I am not to baptize you, you're to baptize me. And Jesus looked and said, let this be done. 
so that all righteousness may be fulfilled. And John baptizes him, and when he comes up out of the water, it says a dove descends upon him. Uh, 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 the Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove descending. And then immediately, it says he left there and went and spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Then John, in the midst of this time, is being quizzed by the Pharisees. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are doing this? Are you Elijah? Are you one of the prophets? I mean, who are you that gives you the right to do this? And then John pointed and said, there's one coming mightier than I, who I don't even have the right to loosen his sandals. And then the next day, he's standing with Peter, or with, he's standing with Andrew and another disciple, and he looks up and he says, there he is. Jesus has come out of the wilderness, and he says, there he is, the one on whom the Spirit descended. This is the one. And then they rush over and say, hey, can we spend some time with you? And, and, and Jesus said, well, come and see where I stay. And they went and stayed together and share time together. And all of this happens near Jerusalem, Aunt Bethany, beyond the Jordan River. Turn in your Bibles over to Mark, the book of Mark, and notice what happens here. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. Verse 14. Now after John, who is John the Baptist, had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, now notice what's happened. They were at one point, if I were to show this like as a map of Israel, they were down here at Bethany uh, on the River Jordan. And, and way up here is the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum and the cities that Jesus is going to go to. And, and it says, not right away, not immediately, but after John the Baptist has been arrested. So John has continued preaching. John has been continued uh, all this period of time uh, uh, trying to, baptizing people. Then later on what happens is Jesus starts preaching and teaching. And he gets the disciples who are following him to baptize people. And John's followers go to Jesus and or go, to, go to John and say, he, it seems that they're baptizing more people than we are. And John says, he must increase, I must decrease. See how this time period is flowing. And then he gets arrested. And Jesus now goes up to the Galilee area. It's a period of time later. They've been with him when they taught. They've been with him in these moments. They've seen all this happen. It says that after this had happened in verse 16, as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, now, grab what's happened here. The first encounter with Jesus where they get to know him and see him happens here at the Bethany near the River Jordan. Then their next encounter is going to be a significant period of time later. They've heard him teach in between this period of time. They've watched him do miracles in this period of time. They, they've seen him cast out demons in this period of time. And they've, they've actually assisted him in some of what he did by baptizing for him because Jesus didn't actually baptize anyone. And then during this time, they're going back and forth between their business and then Jesus, after a period of time, goes up and, and he gets by the Sea of Galilee. And as a matter of fact, we know prior to what Mark just wrote, he went into a synagogue and cast out a demon. And then he went and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And, and he actually, she was sick and hurting and he went into the house and he healed her. And then I love that it says she got up and she waited on them. And then the next day, he goes down, according to the Gospel of Luke, he goes down to this lake of Gennesaret and he's walking along and the crowds start gathering and gathering and gathering. And he looks over at Peter and he says, let me use your boat. And the boat pushes out and he stands and he begins to preach or sits and begins to preach. And after he's done preaching, he looks at Peter and says, push out into the water. 
And they go out into the water. And they're out there floating. And he says, cast your nets. And he said, Lord, we were up all night fishing. And we didn't catch anything. And the Lord says, do it. And so he goes, at your word, I'll do it. And he throws the nets out. And so many fish are gathered into it that he can't hold them all. And he screams to his best friends, James and John, come and help, come and help. And they rush out as quick as they can. And then Jesus is standing there in the boat. And Peter drops on his knees. In Luke chapter 5, it says this. He says, Lord, get away from me, for I am a sinful man. I don't deserve to be in your presence. Which, by the way, again, I don't know if this grabs you. It grabs me. They're way out in the middle of a lake. Peter falls on his knees and says, Lord, depart from me. I guess he already believed that Jesus could walk on water, you know. Oh, okay, bye. You know, and walks off. I, I mean, I don't, but, but here's the point. Do you see all this is going on? And then they bring all the fish in. And Peter looks at, or Jesus looks at Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he said, follow me. And I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, I, I, I don't know if it gets to you, but do you catch what? It wasn't just this one moment, this strange guy walking up. There's a long time of relational uh, interaction going on. They had seen him cast out demons. They had watched him heal the sick. Peter watched him heal his mother-in-law. They had seen the great catch of fish. They had heard John the Baptist say, this is the one, he's the Messiah. They actually were with him in times of teaching and assisting him in what he did. And he said, now is the time more than ever. Come and follow me. And, and, and you catch what's going on. Jesus said, I want you to explore, if you go back to our Level 4 series, I want you to look at what's going on. I want you to have time to make a decision about this. I want you to count the cost of what it means. And now that we've been in all this time together, are you ready to follow me with everything you have? Uh, 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 when you look at this, to me, the, the richness of what occurred is amazing as you begin to put the story together. Which brings us to the feeding of the 5,000, which is one of my all-time favorite stories. Look over at Mark and go to chapter... Um, 6, and we'll start in verse 30. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And, and look what happens here. The disciples had now started to gather around Jesus, and he chose out of the midst of many disciples, 12, who would be the apostles. They spend some more time with him in training, and watching what he does, being aware of his presence and power. And then Jesus commissions them, and he sends out the 12. Later, on a period of time later, he would choose 70 more and send them out. But the first reconnaissance mission against the kingdom of darkness are the 12 that would be sent out. And when they go out, amazing things begin to happen. They, 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 they're overwhelmed with the fact that, that the demons are subject to the name of Jesus when they call out. They heal people. Uh, they preach the gospel. People are more than ever caught up in it. And it causes an amazing stir in the land. Greater than just Jesus himself would have caused. And Herod begins to be afraid. Because now by this point, Herod has killed John the Baptist. He's beheaded him. And he says, what is going on? Is John the Baptist risen from the dead? Is John the Baptist going out there doing this? Or is this Elijah? Or is this Jeremiah? Or is this some, and he wants to know what's going on because now all the apostles are going out, literally stirring the land up and talking about Jesus and what he's done and preaching the gospel and healing people in his name. And then the apostles come back and they're overflowing with what's happened. They've journeyed back together. They've gathered back together and they can't wait. It says that they can't wait to tell Jesus what's been going on. In Mark chapter 6 verse 30, the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. 
They're so overflowing, but they've stirred up the crowds. The people can't wait to be with them. And Jesus said, I want to hear what happened. Let's go to a secluded place. Let's go off by ourselves. Let's go to a place where we can rest and talk. And you can share with me everything that happened. And so they get ready to go. And in verse 31, it says, or verse 32, it says, And they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. But the people saw them going, and many recognized them, and they ran together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them. And they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, uh, one of the other accounts is going to say it was well late into the night. It says, his disciples came and said to him, this is, in my version says, a desolate place. It is already quite late. Uh, uh, again, I don't know if this is going to get you, but this is one of those moments I get moved. Because the Greek word there that was for secluded that's used twice is the same word that's used here. And they came to him and said, Lord, we've been working all day. We've been in the midst of all this. This is a desolate place. This is a secluded place. You said we could go somewhere to be alone. You said we could go and share time together. You said we could rest together. Lord, this is that place. Can we now send the crowds away? Because we want to talk about what's happened. We want to share time with you. And, and so it says, they, they was already, and then it says in verse 36, they go, send them away so they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them. And he said to them, give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii of bread on them and give them something to eat? Now, when we read John's account, it says they came to him and they said, Lord, send them away. And, and, and Jesus, it says, to test them because he knew what he was about to do. That's what it says in John 6. He goes, I'm going to put you to the test now. You've, you've just experienced amazing things of God and, and you probably haven't caught my agenda. And so to test you, I'm going to ask you a question. Give them something to eat. And they say, Lord, we don't have anything. Uh, we don't even know what we'd do. We don't have enough money to buy this kind of food. There's nowhere to buy this kind of food. We can't see what's going on. As a matter of fact, look what it says here in, in verse 37. It says, and he answered them and said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And we know that Andrew went and he looked and looked and he found a young lad, it says in John 6. And he comes back and he says, well, this, this young boy... He's got five loaves and two fishes. But notice how, how Mark says it. It says, and when they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. And he commanded them sit down by groups and green grass. And they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. And he kept giving to the disciples who were set before them. And he divided the two fish among them. And they all ate. Now, it's interesting that in Luke's gospel, it says that he kept giving and kept giving and kept giving and kept giving. And, and it's right for us to focus on the central point that Jesus literally took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. But what we don't want to miss is, I think, something just as important. Men who had been away on long journeys, working and, and, and just exhausting themselves in service of God, rushed back to say to Jesus, we want to tell you what happened. And Jesus said, let's go to a secluded place and let's rest and talk and share. And they go off to the secluded place and the crowds are running ahead in the boats. And, and I'm going to say this is my 
my feeling that it's probably the apostles are looking going, no, no, as they're running ahead of them and they pull on and all these crowds are there and, and they're looking going, no, we want to be with Jesus. And, 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 and he's like, he has compassion. He goes, no, we're going we're gonna to love these people. And he begins to minister to them. And so from morning and, until night, he's doing this and they're getting tireder and tireder. And I want you to think about the emotional toll it takes on all of us when you're in a setting like that and you're giving and giving and giving and giving and they finally turn and say, Lord, it's so late. And he said, why don't you send the crowds away? Now, now notice this is what gets me. This may not get you. Notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, we are so hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Now, I don't know if that blows your mind. Remember, they've been traveling a long period of time. They don't know if they have any food at all. As a matter of fact, it says, when they looked for the food they had, guess how much food they brought? What, did you catch it? How much food did they bring? None. None. The only person who had any food is this little boy. They're going to rip off. No, I mean, they're going to ask to borrow. And uh, no, no, no. Did, I don't, maybe you're not getting it. And maybe it doesn't get you. You know, not what gets me may get you. But this really gets to me. They're literally tired. They're hungry. They're starving. They're exhausted. And all they can think about is being with Jesus. And then they turn and say, Let's send the people away so they can eat. And what are we going to do? We're going to sit and spend time with you. And we're going to sit and share with you. And we don't care if we get any food. Why? Because there's something greater and more important to us than eating. Spending time with Jesus. And when I look at that, I think, wow. And even when they finally discovered five loaves and two fish, how much food is that between 13 men who haven't eaten all day? I don't know about you, but I think that I probably could eat the whole thing myself. And uh, then you got 13 men to split it. And, and, and what happens is you've, you've got Jesus showing this and turning this into this amazing teachable moment. One of the greatest miracles he would ever do. But maybe what we're seeing here is something pretty incredible. We're seeing guys who are saying, Jesus, spending time with you is more important than, than my rest. Spending time with you is the highest point on my agenda, more important than eating. We didn't even care to bring food because the bottom line is we don't care if we even get to eat because we want to spend time with you. Maybe it's not quite the same to you, but it reminds me of how I was with my arm around Pam. I was more excited to have my arm around Pam than to have the physical comfort of actually having my arm with pulses going through it and blood flowing. And, it, and why? Because there was something more important to me in that moment. And, and you know, I got to ask this question, is that how we feel about the Lord? I mean, do you catch how sold out these men were? They left their nets to follow Jesus. They left their livelihood to follow Jesus. They believed in him more than anything. They, they left family and friends to be with him. And now, when they have a chance to be alone with him, it's more important than food. It's more important than sleeping. It's more important than anything possible. Just getting time with the Lord. That kind of passion. See, we see that kind of love over and over again from these men. Jesus at one point is walking along and the big crowds are gathering and big crowds are gathering and it says because he saw the big crowds he turned and said unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven and they're like what and, and he stands there and said if you don't eat of my body and drink of my blood you won't inherit the kingdom and they're all appalled like what and he doesn't go oh it's a metaphor did you notice he doesn't do that he just stands there going no this is going to drive you guys off and after a while, they're like, oh, and they get into an argument, and it says everybody leaves except the 12. John chapter 6, Jesus looks at Peter and says, are you going to leave me also? Now think about that. Are you going to leave me too? This is right after the feeding of the 5,000. 
And Peter looks at him and says, Lord, to whom will we go? You're the only one who has the words of life. Now, I don't know if you don't care. And Jesus looks with love upon them. He said, didn't I choose you all? The ones who went out and and did great works for him, the ones that came back, and he said, let's go be alone together. And they get in the boat and the crowds gather and the crowds are all in it. You know who the crowds are in it for? Themselves. They're in it for themselves. And and when Jesus goes to another place, they rush and follow him again, basically saying, what are you gonna do for me? What are you gonna do for me? And when he turns and, and just gives them the hard truth and drives them away, these men, after all this, turn and say, there's nowhere else we could go. Because nothing matters to us more than you. We have left our homes. We would leave anything to follow you. Thomas later would say, Jesus, if I can, I'll die with you. And, And the bottom line is they had got hold of something that Jesus was trying to teach them. Prior to the feeding of the 5,000, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. They uh, went with Jesus and they were traveling to Samaria. When they get there, you know the story of the woman at the well. And what happened is it says it was late and they were tired and the apostles left Jesus by the well to go and get something to eat. And so what happens is while they're gone, the woman, who we call the woman at the well, comes out and Jesus begins to minister to her and to love on her. She had been used and and and, and abused and thrown out. Five different men had divorced her. In that day, just to be divorced by one man was a great tragedy. Five different men had taken her, used her, and publicly disgraced her and cast her off. The next man wouldn't even uh, marry her. He just took her and began to use her. The women of the area would not even talk with her. So she had to go to the well when no one else was there at the hottest part of the day when no one would go. And when she shows up, there's a man standing there, not just a man, but a rabbi who she's not even supposed to set her eyes upon. And they're not supposed to even talk. And he turns and he talks to her and he asks for a drink of water. and, And she turns and says, you're a rabbi speaking to me? And he begins to just talk to her about if you knew who I was and how much I care about you, you would be asking me. And, and he just begins to tear into her life in a positive and caring way. And, and then what happens is she is so caught up in what happenings. The, the apostles come walking back with food and they're standing there seeing Jesus talk to a woman. And it says they're in shock. He's speaking with the woman. And she turns and runs into the village to tell everybody about the one who's just declared himself the Messiah. And... Uh, then it happens in John chapter 4. They, they say, Jesus, take some food. And, and in verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, now, I don't know if you're following where I'm going, but maybe I can tie it together, and hopefully this is meaningful to you. They, remember we were talking, were just done with the feeding of the 5,000, and, and actually, it happened over here with the woman at the well, so now they're over here months later at the feeding of the 5,000. They've been traveling all day, they've been working all day, and they look at Jesus and say, you know what, we'd rather spend time with you than eat. What have they learned? My food is to do the will of him who sent me. He taught them that here, and they get it here. Not just in their heads, but in their hearts. Lord, send the crowds away so we can be alone. This is the secluded place you promised us. This is the place we can rest and be together. Send them away. And, and then he has to say, hey, by the way, have you thought about this thing called food? And, and for us even, and, and they, they didn't even look for any for themselves. Why? Because they had understood something. 
That, that their food was to do the will of God. They're going out and doing the will of God, throwing themselves into the will of God. It, it meant everything. Uh, remember earlier on that Satan would tempt Jesus and Satan would look at Jesus and say, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus said, do you remember what he said? Man shall not what? Live by bread alone. Well, well, when you start to understand all of this, and, and maybe this is where it just gets to me too, because I'm kind of sharing what God's been showing me. Later on, Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. Later on after that, he would say, I, I, I am the one who just literally uh, uh, gives the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and if any man comes to me, if any man thirsts and he comes to me, I, I will touch him in such a way that rivers of living water will gush forth from him. Now, now here's the point. Jesus said, if you come to me, I will satisfy the most intense cravings in your life, the greatest needs of your life. You're not going to hunger. You're not going to thirst. You're not going to want anything. And we're watching a group of men who've discovered this. The last thing on their minds, what they're going to eat because they're so involved in what God is doing. And if we think we're talking just about physical food, we've missed the point. You see, they didn't care about anything. They didn't say, hey, where are we going to sleep tonight? They didn't say, oh, wait a minute, when do we finally get back to our families? They didn't say, hey, by the way, you know, when are, when are we going to, you know, get some new clothes? Or, or, you know, I want those cool swords so when we finally take over, we can beat the wrong. You know, they didn't get into any of that. All they cared about was being with him. And when they grabbed that, it fed them to the deepest part of who they were. They didn't look around wanting more. They didn't look around trying to feed boredom. They didn't look around saying, well, I better finally go buy something. They didn't look around. All of a sudden, they didn't have a life that, that demanded more and more and more and more and coveting, coveting, coveting. All that's gone because they had discovered something incredible. And that is being with Jesus just fed the deepest desires in their life so they'd almost forgot about the others. Because they were that in love with him. And the pain of hunger that was gnawing within them was overwhelmed by a deep and amazing love being in the presence of Jesus. Uh, uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 with me. Maybe this gets to me because I struggle between two natures, two syndromes. Uh, uh, many of you know about this, but it's in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Uh, uh, grab what this says. It says, now as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had her sister Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to her word. Or she called her sister Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted. Did, did you catch that? Don't, don't miss that word. She, it was, she was distracted. The word distracted literally means bothered. Uh, it's a Greek word that means to be thrown into disorder. It, 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 it has to do with the idea of a noise that bugs you. You ever been sitting there and you're trying to do something? It's like, what is that sound? Uh, maybe, I don't know how you are. In our marriage, I get distracted like that all the time. Pam and I are driving down the road and I'm like, well, what's the sound in the car? And she goes, I don't hear anything. I go, you don't hear that? And she goes, oh, I thought we were talking. And she goes, go go, no, 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 what's that sound in the car? And she goes, I don't hear it. And I'm like, oh. And I, I, anybody like that? And, you know, I get that way all the time. And it's like, what is that? And, and, and it says it just bugged her, it bothered her. What is it that distracted her? What is it that ate at her? Notice it says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. 
In other words, you know what I, I just believe happened here? And you probably uh, uh, would get this too. I, I, I bet Martha's like, okay, we have Jesus here. We have the apostles here. And they've been turning the world upside down. And we're going to prepare them the most incredible meal ever. And I know there's, and she's in there working. And she's like, where's Mary? And she looks out and Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus as Jesus talks. And I, I might be wrong, but I think she goes, okay. And she's banging the pots and pans and going, ah, you know, I guess, well, I guess I'll have to do this all by myself. And, and I'm 14. Don't you think that's what, because it says she's just bugged. And it seems like, and, and so she goes, no, 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 I'm going to go ahead and do it without her. And then I'll just tell her later that I did it all. And then, but she looks over, like, look at her out there just sitting there. Look at everybody else just sitting there. They think the food just cooks itself. <laughs> by the way, with Jesus... It just cooks itself. <laughs> you can just say, hey, lunch, boom, it's there. I mean, you know, and, and, and so she's going nuts and going crazy and thinking, how come I'm the only one doing this? And why is she out there? And finally, she, she walks out in front of all of the men there, and she addresses Jesus in a public way. And then, did you catch what she did? She says, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? And then she says, tell her to help me. You think we got a problem here? You know, I want to remind you, if you're brand new to all this, we don't tell Jesus anything. You know, we, we just don't do that. We, we don't tell Jesus. I mean, when it says he's Lord, he's Lord. If we can ask. She is so exasperated. Now catch this. In a cultural setting like this, she should never, ever address a rabbi, much less tell him what to do. And, and she has done that. And, and, and she's like, don't you care? I mean, I'm working hard. How are we going to eat? If I'm not in here working, if I'm not slaving away, then nobody gets to eat. But by this point, Jesus and the apostles are like, who cares? We don't really care. We can travel all day. We can minister to people into the night. We can send them away. And we can kick back with nothing to eat. Why? Because our food is to do the will of God who sent me. Because we've discovered that Jesus said something that's true. That if we, we taste of who he is, we'll never hunger. And, and if we allow the Holy Spirit to move within us, we'll never thirst. You're missing the point. And, 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 and she's just not getting it. And that's where Jesus hits these words. And he says this in verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered. Now notice that term again. Bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Wow. You see, I got to be honest with you. Every time I read this, even today, I say, yeah, but who's going to cook? Lord, if that's your attitude, then no one eats. I mean, is it really fair that Martha cooks for everybody? I mean, have you guys ever felt that way? Have you ever walked around going, well, if, if I don't do it, no one will. Thank God for me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 and, and, and Jesus said, but you missed the whole point. It's not that someone shouldn't finally cook the food. It's not that someone shouldn't clean up. As a matter of fact, the servant of all is a great thing. But Jesus said, have you caught what's going on? These men learned from me 
that my will is to do the will of him, or that my food is to do the will of him who sent me. These men reached a place when they were so caught up in what I'm doing that they almost forgot ever about eating, ever about drinking, ever about their physical needs because all they caught up was who God is and the nature and the wonder of what it means to be in fellowship. And, and that's overwhelmed everything else. So if they were in our day and time, they don't run around going, when am I finally going to get a new car? Their answer is, man, I'm just so excited to be in love with Jesus. When am I going to finally get the bigger house? Their answer is, I, I just love what God's doing in my life and I love spending and, and all of a sudden it's not wrong to have the new car or the bigger house but it's like none of those matter as much and, and, and the, the, the desire that just eats away at us for more and more and more and more it goes away and, and it's not a bad thing it's an incredible thing because now now when I learn what it is to do the will of God it changes everything about who I am and uh, he looks and says Mary got it pretty quick didn't she but Martha, you are distracted. You are bothered. You have things eating at you. And uh, when we understand what this means, we understand about this, this amazing promise of a peace that passes all understanding. All understanding. And uh, it, it all comes from the presence of the Lord. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I get caught up in that. I get caught up in this amazing journey these men take in growing closer and closer to God. And it's all based on loving him. So here's a question I'll ask. Where are you in this love relationship with God? You see, are you more of a, a, a person who says, well, I, I want God to do things for me. I, I need, have needs in my life. And so I ask him, and, and that's not wrong to do. He wants you to. But the reality is you see it as pretty much he needs to serve you, not I want to be in fellowship with him and in love with him. And that's what's going to actually quench the thing that keeps you from having the most incredible life ever. Uh, uh, on the other side are many of us Marthas. We run around doing, 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 doing. And, and then when someone says, well, have you spent some time today with the Lord? And you're quiet. Well, I don't have time for that because, man, I've got a job and I commute and I've got to take care of kings around the house. And, but wait a minute. Does just spending time with Jesus such an amazing passion that feeds your soul? Where is that in your priority list? And uh, is it born out of this love for him, desire for him to be with him? Because when you do, it becomes amazing. Isn't it interesting that the promise of Scripture is this? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It, 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 isn't that interesting? God says, if you, you, you draw near to me, you take a step towards me, then I'm going to come and surround you and love you. And uh, when we understand that the presence of Jesus literally eradicates all those things that were going on, all those distractions, all the things that make our life less than what it should be, it becomes an amazing thing. So hopefully we would all say, well, my will, my desire is to do his will. And the more I want to do what God says, the more I'm sold out in that, the more I'm going to find myself not ever wanting for anything. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He will lead me. He will guide me. He will make sure those things are taken care of. I can trust him. Tonight, are you in that kind of intimate relationship with him? Now, if you're not, if you've never entered into it, let me know that. Je let me let you know Jesus' great desire is to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. He wants you close to him. He wants to share life with you. He wants you to grow in this. And if you've never experienced that before, what I'm going to ask you to do in a minute is to pray a prayer where you'll commit your life to Christ.
And I'm actually going to ask you to do it with me, just to pray it with me right where you're sitting, to whisper some words and say, Lord, I really want this and I want you and I understand, I understand, Jesus, that it all came when you died on the cross for me. I understand that was where the call came, the bridge came, and I want it. And what I'll do is I'll pray a line of a prayer that you can pray with me to commit your life to him. And tonight, if you've never done that, I want to ask you, would you do it with me? Would you just say those words right where you're sitting? Uh, tonight, if you at one time thought, man, I used to be so sold out for God and close to him and on fire and, and my life had such a fulfillment and satisfaction and, and, and contentment to it and now I find myself, well, this isn't right and that's not right and something's missing and I'm not really close to him like I used to be. Would you tonight, would you be willing to recommit and pray that same prayer? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you that you love us and care about us so much that you desire to have a relationship with us and to have us literally experience your presence and your love. And I pray tonight, oh God, that every one of us here would have that same growth in our life where we would be like the disciples who just could not wait to spend time with you and share with you. And it literally overwhelmed every aspect of their life. And all of a sudden they found life to be amazing and incredible and joyous and they found you, Lord, to be the center of everything that occurred. Let us be like Mary, who understood, Lord, that literally being with you and in your presence and close to you, hearing your voice, having your guidance was more important than anything else. And Lord, I pray that as we understand that and how that is our priority, I know that that will feed the deepest desires that we have and we will not hunger and we will not thirst. And God, tonight I pray that we would live that way. I ask, oh God, right now that your Holy Spirit enter this room. And I pray, Lord, that you would move in such a way that you would just literally touch any man or woman, any guy or girl who needs you, who either needs to come to you for the first time or to commit their life to you again, who, Lord, needs you to love them in such a way that you fill them and literally their lives have a meaning and excitement and joy and they know what they're meant to be and do and they do it with you and, and they literally find themselves not wanting, but they find themselves living. So I ask God tonight that you would touch any man who needs this, any woman who needs this, the ones who feel like something's missing and you're ready to take away that, that missing piece. Any guy or girl who needs to say to you yes and they're ready to follow you. I pray, Lord, you would touch them now and they would want to pray and commit themselves to you. I want to ask that we keep praying. And tonight, if you're ready to commit your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper this prayer with me. But before I lead it, I'm going to ask this. If you're ready to pray that prayer with me tonight and say yes to the Lord, would you let me know you're going to do it by lifting your hand in the air and looking at me? And then after I see you, wow, praise God. That is so awesome. Praise the Lord for you and for you and for you right here. Praise God. Wow. And over here, praise the Lord. Wow. For each one of you, this is incredibly special to God. And way up there for all of you, that's awesome. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Let me take a second more. If I haven't seen you yet, I want to look again. Uh, I want to make sure I see everybody. Helps me to know who's praying this prayer. Anyone else? Praise God. Wow. That's awesome. For each one. And right here, praise the Lord, man. And way up there, praise God for you too. All of you, God sees you and knows you. And I want you to rejoice over you right now. So let's just pray that prayer together. Just say these words. Whisper them. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of all my sins. 
to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you always created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Praise the Lord. Wow.